Welcome to the Brand Design Masters podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build the skills you need to design bulletproof brands for yourself, your business, and for the clients and customers you serve. And now, here's Philip. Hi, everyone. I want to do a little introduction in this episode because it's kind of special. My close colleague and sometimes agency partner, Kathy Onetto, and I have been talking a lot recently about the topic of leaving corporate. This is an important topic these days because of the pandemic, and it brought on a huge outflux of people from full-time jobs, whether that was by choice or as a result of factors outside of their control. I'm sure you've heard about it. The media is calling it the great resignation. Well, I'm talking about when you leave a full-time job, whether it's at a company for most people, when they call themselves an employee of some sort, working in a particular area of expertise, or as a creative professional at an in-house internal marketing or design department, or at an agency of some kind. Well, Kathy and I have had requests from our listeners, as well as our private coaching clients, to address this topic on our podcast in depth. So we decided to do a series of podcast episodes together, and each of us post them on our respective podcasts. Now, Kathy's podcast is called Sustainable Ambition, and you can find a link to it in the show notes. And as we started planning the episode series, we realized it's a really big topic and we could probably write a book on it. So the idea quickly grew into a five-episode series. So the topics of the five-episode series will break down like this. In the first episode, we'll talk about how to start building your brand while you're still employed. And then in the second episode, we'll talk about recognizing when it's time to go. And in the third, what to do before you pull the plug, Number four is going to be all about getting resourced and how you start building. And then number five is getting your brand and your new business going, the setup and beyond. Now, we've never attempted something like this kind of joint podcast idea before, so we knew there would be a lot of learnings that came up while we were doing it, and we both kind of like being crash test dummies in that regard. Let's just do it and see what happens. So one thing we noticed after the first episode was that when you get two podcasters together, one of you inevitably ends up leading the conversation kind of in the interviewer way. And when you listen back, it kind of sounds like their show. So what I'm trying to say is in these five episodes, Leaving Corporate Series, sometimes Kathy is leading the conversation and sometimes I take the lead for the episode. And when she leads, it feels like her show. And sometimes when I'm leading, it feels like my show. It's a little weird, like I said. So we ended up just kind of splitting it up. Who would lead the conversation? So try not to be confused about that part of it. So let's jump right into the conversation in the second episode of Leaving Corporate, where we talk about recognizing it's time to go. Enjoy the show. So welcome back, everybody. We are on a journey. We're on a journey of doing a five-episode series about leaving corporate, about making a transition to an independent consultant or freelance sort of life, starting your own business possibly as an entrepreneur, and what that journey entails, basically from the very beginning thought kernel all the way through of starting to prepare, making your decision going off on your own and putting together the pieces of having your own new business. And it's a big, weighty topic. And my co-host, Kathy Onetto, and I had been talking about this for a while, and we came up with the idea of doing a series of episodes. And when we started writing the outline for this, we thought, oh, it'll be like two or three episodes, right? But then the outline started getting longer and longer, and now we decided it's probably going to be about five episodes. So the first episode was about how do you even start to build a brand while you're still employed? What do you do or what can you do in order to start to prepare yourself while you still have a job? 
And then in this episode, we're going to talk about recognizing when it's time to go. How do you get your head around, like, when do I pull the trigger? And the episode after this, we'll talk about what do you do before you pull that plug and what do you need to start building before you pull the plug? And so I'm here with Kathy Onetto, who I'm going to let introduce herself. I'm Philip Van Dusen. And just quickly, I own an agency in New Jersey called Verhal Brand Design. I develop a lot of content, including YouTube videos on branding, marketing, and design and creative entrepreneurship. I have a podcast called the Brand Design Masters Podcast, which you're either listening to or listening to Kathy's podcast because we're going to be co-sharing these episodes. I share branding, strategy, design, creative career development with creative professionals and entrepreneurs. And I've had a 25 plus year career on both the agency side and the corporate side as a creative executive. And so that's the baggage I'm bringing (laughs) to this episode in our discussion. And so Kathy, who are you? Yes. Thank you, Philip. I am a strategy executive and a life plus work and executive coach. And for people who are listening to the Sustainable Ambition podcast, you know that I founded Sustainable Ambition and have a podcast of the same name. If you're listening to Philip's podcast, you may have heard me here before, but uh, that's where you can find me in the podcast world. And like Philip, before going out on my own, I spent about 20 years in the corporate world working in branding and marketing and strategy. And like Philip as well, both on the client and agency sides and both working with large companies, but also working with some smaller entrepreneurial companies as well. So as I said, this is part two in our five-part series on leaving corporate and going out on one's own. Sometimes people are surprised about this journey on a number of fronts. You get laid off, so it's a choice that's not your own, or there's some sort of corporate restructuring and you were made redundant for one reason or another. You may be fired. You could be totally burned out. You could be forced to take a break through ageism or some sort of family situation. But there's a lot of different signals that can happen, but there's also a lot of signals that happen and can happen inside of yourself in terms of what are those signals that start to make you think about that it's time to go? How do you recognize when it's time to go or how you go? And so just expanding on the travel analogy that I started in episode one, this is kind of the wanderlust where you start thinking about the call to adventure, recognizing that I need to take another step. I need to pivot. I need to evolve in some sort of way. In thinking about that in this journey of independence, you're in corporate. What are the signals? What were the signals for you, Kathy, when you were in corporate and you said, hey, I'm going to do something different? Yeah, there were a few things that came forward for me. One was that just I started to sense that my ambition was shifting. So I started to notice like, you know, it wasn't quite as important for me to get to the C-suite of a big company that just started to not be my ambition. And I always had a little bit of entrepreneurial tendencies. I think even growing up, I thought that I wanted to start a business at some point of my own. And it's why I ended up majoring in business in undergrad and graduate school. But the other thing about it with some of my ambition was that around this idea of both going out on my own, there was an ownership aspect of it as well, where I really kind of wanted to start to own my own creative output and as well as be able to dedicate more of my time to my own creativity. So that was one signal that was happening for me was just this sense of, hmm, my ambition is starting to shift here a little bit. So maybe this is the time where I'm actually going to go ahead and step out from what I'm doing here on the corporate side. And so what did that decision feel like for you? Was it just like this, you know, kind of gnawing at you, take a long time for that to happen? Or was it a matter of months where you 
got the sense and then you acted. Oh, no. It's a great thing to point out. Personally, I feel like transitions take more time than people realize. And I also think that people are having indications that a transition is coming way sooner than they realize. Like if they were paying attention to how their body felt or some of the signals that were coming to them, they would actually start to realize like, oh my gosh, this has been percolating for a year. If I were really to step back and look at things, if they were paying attention, they would start to clue into those things instead of being like, it's now urgent where I can't stand this anymore. So for me, it was something that I had been thinking about for some time and planned for. And I think I was starting to notice the shift. And like I said, I think I always had a sense that I might want to do something out on my own. And so I was starting to explore for some time before I actually made the leap. When you were employed full-time, were you actually kind of moonlighting? Did you moonlight to kind of test those waters? You know, in some of my jobs, I worked so much. Many people, especially your listeners, will know agency life is no joke. I remember telling people at one of my jobs, I left a startup and went to the agency world. And I said, I was looking for more work-life balance. And they laughed at me as they (laughs) rightly rightly should have. Agency life is, is quite intense. So when I was in that agency role, I really didn't have the capacity, frankly. And it was during that time that I was putting a lot of my own personal creative energy into content and thought leadership for that agency. And it's when I started to get this sense of like, that's great. And they supported me in that and got me awareness through that thought leadership. But it also just started to feel like, you know, at some point I wanted some of that for my own. Once I got into a different job, actually, where I had a little bit more capacity and I started to play with some of my own content creation and creativity and started to explore some options of going out on my own. That's really interesting because I forgot about that. Full disclosure, Kathy and I worked at an agency, a branding agency, CPG and identity and strategy agency in San Francisco together. Kathy was in strategy. I was in creative. And I had forgotten about the fact that you were developing thought leadership pieces while you were a strategist at this agency and publishing them to the, it was an agency network. So it was a global agency. And so you were publishing content that made its way across to other agencies within the parent company. And so in terms of actually recognizing it's time to go, the theme of the show, you kind of were starting to get your feet wet in developing content and thought leadership while you were employed. It wasn't necessarily part of your job, but you made it part of your job and you started doing it. Do you think exercising, developing those sorts of muscles, as I talked about in episode one, do you feel like that contributed to your wanderlust? It's a great question, Philip. I had an inclination and a desire to create content from an early time. I've taken writing courses over the course of my professional career. And the first one that I took was in New York City, where I took an op-ed writing course. So I had this desire, this interest in kind of putting thought pieces out there. I will say, just to kind of emphasize this importance going back to the first episode, I won't go too deep on this, but it was in that course that I learned Yeah, you can't just write about anything in an op-ed. It's nice if you have a political view, but if you are not a political expert, it's probably not going to get published. So it was the first time that I was told, right, you need to develop an expertise. You Mm. need to have 
essentially a professional identity. Some cred. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to go and write about something. So I don't know in that regard, in terms of content creation, I don't know if that's where, like in doing it for the company, I don't know if that's where it contributed to my wanderlust. But in essence, yes, it did, Philip, because what I was saying and what I had shared was that like at some point I was kind of like, wow, I'm putting a lot of my personal time because I was doing a lot of writing on the weekends into something that I don't own the IP. And so there was a part of me that was kind of like, well, geez, if I'm going to put this much effort and this much of my personal time into this, I kind of want to own it. It did contribute a little bit to, I think, this sense of, again, my ambition shifting and this desire to just kind of own some of my own IP, to be honest with you. Yeah. It's interesting. When you were talking, I was thinking about what in my last role was a a VP of design in a a global corporation. And one of the things that I found myself doing or I became curious about in that role was that I had just come from a global agency and then I moved into creative at a global in-house company, client-side company. And in both of those roles, I was starting to see these large agencies and large companies utilizing independent consultants or digital virtual agencies that were usually one principal who may bring in a partner or two to work particular projects, or they might just work it individually. And so I was seeing that happen on the agency side. And then when I was on the client side, I was actually starting to engage people and agencies like that to do work for company I was working for. You know, usually when I was in the corporate side, I was developing all my own creative and marketing myself. When I was on the client side, I was doing client products and services. I hadn't been leveraging outside resources so much. And suddenly I was finding outside resources are becoming a really important thing, both to agencies and to corporations. I saw the growth of the consultant class and how that was shifting the paradigm of work in the marketing world and the design world within both of these sides of the street. And I was fascinated and curious about that. And that's one of the things that when I did make that jump out on my own, I kind of thought back and realized kind of in hindsight that this was something that I'd been experiencing and it was gaining importance and prominence in the working world that I wanted to explore. I wanted to kind of enter in on because I saw the paradigm of work shifting and I wanted to kind of get ahead of that. I wanted to like be on the right side of history, you know? So that's interesting because I never really had thought about it in terms of that aspect of it before. It's funny how we forget our history. And so you're making me think back to actually how things transpired for me. And one of the things like so that people recognize too, that sometimes you might take small steps towards this. And what happened to me was, frankly, I had a former client kind of pull me into consulting, right? Because Mm. it was kind of like, hey, would you come be a consultant? And I was like, Mm, actually, I think I do want to do that. But then I also had a company I was working with that allowed me some flexibility. The marketplace was shifting, as you're saying, in terms of how talent was being utilized and both people taking on consultants as well as organizations offering a little bit of flexibility where, hey, why don't you work here part-time? You can do some other consulting as well. And so it's just to say those signals are kind of like, in this case, it's a marketplace signal, right? That you were seeing stuff happening out there. I actually kind of got pulled into it before I made a permanent kind of shift. Anyway, I just wanted to make that observation as well. I want to be really transparent in this episode because recognizing it's time to go is one of those 
things that is really different for everybody. And like I said at the very beginning of the episode, it can come about in a huge number of ways. You can be literally made redundant, your position being eliminated through an acquisition of two companies moving together or an agency being sold to a conglomerate. You can, you know, just burn out. You can get laid off. There can be an economic downturn or COVID, you know, something that's completely not your fault. You may feel for a family situation or a change in work relationship with you and your significant other that something has to change for a period of time and you may leave willingly and then things start to change. I mean, there's so many different ways that this can happen. Sometimes it is sudden and you do not expect it to happen. So it's not really like you're recognizing anything about the time to go. It just happens. And my experience in recognizing it's time to go and yours, I think, are very different. When I left my last corporate job, I was a VP of design in a large multinational corporation, and it was a very intense job, 80-hour weeks. People were surprised if you weren't answering emails at 4 o'clock in the morning when they were emailing you from Asia Pack. And I was putting my all into it. It was the biggest job of my career. I was probably making the most money I'd ever made in my career. I was working on a very, very visible brand, brands actually, dozens of them, and it was intense. And I'd also gone through a period of time where I had been made redundant through downturns, et cetera, and acquisitions a couple times over the previous five years where I'd actually relocated for work. So I'd been laid off, position eliminated, moved to a new city, started a new job, worked there for a period of time, had the same thing happen, moved to another city, have it happen again. And so I was at the end of a string of a lot of kind of major geographical shifts in my life, not only just working shifts, and landed in this very high-pressure role. And in that period of time, my father, who was a newspaper journalist and an owner of newspapers, newspaper editor all his life, and later an English teacher, developed dementia. And he was in the process of losing his faculties and had to be put in a memory care unit of the place where he lived with my mother. They'd been married 60 years. I had always been very, very close with him, and it was a traumatic thing to watch my father kind of, to a certain extent, disappear in front of my eyes. And while that was happening, I was going through this very intense role that I was working. When you see someone that you love dearly disappearing, (laughs) or when someone passes away, which was pretty obviously imminent in this case, it makes you realize and look at life completely differently. You reevaluate what is important to you. And I found myself thinking, is this all there is? Is this what I'm going to end up doing for the rest of my life? Is this what I want my legacy to be? And that stress and that emotional trauma of that life-passing event with my father, on top of the massive stress of the job itself, led me into a downward spiral of burnout where I started to develop panic attacks. I lost 20 pounds and Kathy knows me. I'm 6'2 and I'm not a heavy guy to begin with. So if you take 20 pounds off me, I turn into skin and bones. One day I woke up and I just said, I can't do it. And I called up and I resigned and it was crazy. I walked away from the biggest job in my career in a panic. And that was the way I left that role. And that was the way I entered entrepreneurship. And I didn't enter entrepreneurship right away. In fact, I decided to take a year off. I was in the financial position where I could do that. And I helped my mother settle my father's estate and processed that death emotionally, went through a lot of therapy, stuff like that. 
And so I had to have and was very lucky to have a level of healing through that process. And so my transition into entrepreneurship, and I think, Kathy, you and I should also talk about the Verhal Co. company that we started together because that was a bridge for both of us, too, I think. I'll let you tell that story. But my transition into this world was not one that was smooth. It wasn't one that I had thought about or nurtured in any kind of way over a period of time. It was traumatic, sudden event. And I just want to acknowledge that that's what that was for me. I've completely changed my relationship with work and how I run a business. And I have been made stronger by that, as we all very much so are made stronger by the difficult times in our lives. I wanted to share that story because if anyone's listening who has gone through something like that or lives with someone who's gone through that or have a relative who did, those are intense times. You can approach to or come to this transition in many, many different ways. There are lots of different colors of how you get here. Yeah, I really appreciate that, Philip. I'm sure people listening are appreciative of you being so transparent and honest with your own experience because I think a lot of people are probably facing, perhaps they might have lost somebody like you lost your father. And there are some folks out there right now that are just really struggling with the weight of what the pandemic has done. And, you know, I think we're going to be dealing with the after effects of that for some time. Absolutely. And part of what you're even sharing a little bit was like your body was giving you signals a bit about like the intensity, right? If you're having panic attacks, if you're losing weight and frankly, just working 80 hours a week is intense, man. And then if you add the weight and the stress of losing a parent, we humans only have so much capacity. Yeah, You can really appreciate then how some people who might be listening might have that same experience and their body is trying to tell them something that something needs to change. And that's Mm. like one of those Mm -hmm. those signals as well. That's, yeah. I mean, that's how I recognized it was time to go. It was like my clothes (laughs) didn't fit me anymore. You know, I was having to buy new skinny pants and it was not working for me. So that's how I recognized it was time to go. Yours sounds like it was much more of a process. Yeah, I think that's right. And it really was a process. So, and maybe I'll work in the Verhal experience because it really fit into that process. So you're right that it was a process. And I'm going to, I'll admit, even for mine, mine was a little messy, this jumping. I've jumped back and forth between like, okay, I think I want to go out on my own to hmm, maybe I will take a job to kind of now being like, yeah, I don't think I want a full-time job. <laughs> So for me, like you and I were both exploring entrepreneurship and we were like, hey, we loved working together at the agency. We both ended up having a very similar idea that we were interested in exploring in terms of developing a business that really celebrated creativity and artisans work. And so we're like, yeah, let's go ahead and test out this idea. And we we went into it kind of eyes wide open. And I admittedly, I think you were doing it kind of full-time, Philip, but it's like you didn't have another job at the time, right? And I yet was actually working part-time and also testing out this startup thing. And so that was another way of like starting to step out on my own and test the waters in some respects while still keeping some consistent income coming in. And so that transition in doing Verhal together, it was definitely a learning stage. And then For me, the next stage from after that, because you and I ended up deciding to close that down for various reasons. And I'll let you share your own experience and where you took that, because I think you had some ahas from that experience too. 
Hey everybody, I wanted to take a break and tell you that my signature course, Brand Strategy 101, is now open for enrollment inside the Brand Design Masters Academy. This is a foundational course for creative professionals and entrepreneurs who want to get started with brand strategy so you can sell bigger projects, increase your fees for the creative work you already do, and get paid for the thinking and advice you've probably been given away for free. The moment you enroll, you get immediate lifetime access to seven modules of training with over eight hours of instructional videos, 25 lessons in all, plus 24 downloadable strategy tools and conversation guides. In Brand Strategy 101, I've taken complex strategic methodologies used by the world's most respected global branding agencies and crafted them into a deceptively simple turnkey process and toolkit that you can use with your clients, even if you've never done brand strategy before or don't know where to start. Brand Strategy 101 draws from my 25 years of experience working with clients ranging from entrepreneurs to small to medium-sized businesses all the way up to the Fortune 100. So if you're ready to up your game and bulletproof your career and protect your business from the downward pricing pressure of sites like Fiverr and Upwork, then Brand Strategy 101 is the place to start. Just go to philipvandusen.com BS101 and enroll in Brand Strategy 101 today. Again, just go to philipvandusen.com BS101 and enroll now. One thing I'll throw in here too, I wasn't interested in starting an e-commerce company that was venture capital backed. It's just not what I was interested in doing and kind of what I wanted to take on. And some people, especially living out here in Silicon Valley, where I live, would think about that and think, you're crazy. Like that's the only kind of business you would start. And so again, when you start to step out on your own, thinking about what's the right fit for you and how you want to build a business. And I stepped away from the business for personal reasons, really. And and also starting to feel like maybe that wasn't quite the right trajectory for me going forward. And so when I did finally take a step out on my own, it was really because I had a job stage coming to an end and it just felt like the right time to kind of make that leap finally. And I think at that point, I'd had all these different signals, right? My ambitions were changing. I was kind of called to entrepreneurship. I ended up having a job stage coming to an end. And at that time of the end of a couple of really intense work experiences, I was also longing for a little bit more flexibility in how I was living my life and also was starting to have aging parents where I kind of just was seeing on the horizon this need to be able to have a little bit more flexibility and how I was able to utilize my time. So that's what got me to finally make the final leap. But I'm curious, like, Philip, what do you want to share around our for hall experience and how that was helpful for you? Yeah. The one thing I would say is I don't want to confuse anyone who's listening because my agency is called Verhal brand design. It's a Dutch word, Verhal, which has V-E-R-H-A-A-L and has two A's. It's hard to spell. It's hard to say. And I actually said it incorrectly. I was saying Verhal for literally about a year and a half until I was corrected by a Dutch person. And that's probably why I'm saying it wrong still, Philip. (laughs) And seeing how my heritage is Dutch, I was deeply embarrassed. So Kathy and I started an e-commerce company, which was selling very kind of bespoke accessories and products that had a lot of provenance and story to them made by small makers in the United States. That was our idea. We wanted to celebrate the maker culture, quality products, and products with story. And so we named the company Verhal. And just so everyone knows, 
when we closed that company down, I stole the name and named my agency Verhell, which is why we have that name <laughs> that may be confusing people. So Kathy and I, as we built this company over a period of about a year, we did it the branding way, right? We went off, we had offsites where we did the brand strategy, we did the business plan, we did SWOT analysis, like we did the whole thing to the nines. We developed the brand identity and color palettes and product lines, went to trade shows and source products. We built websites and email, you know, marketing campaigns and social media platforms. And for me, this was transformative because when I had walked away from my last position, I was massively burnt out and I didn't even think I liked branding anymore. I wasn't sure that I really enjoyed what I was doing. And I'd also been operating and working with very clean hands. I hadn't been pushing a mouse in terms of designing over a decade. And so I hadn't been actually doing hands-on design in any form for a long period of time. So suddenly I was doing product photography in my basement. I was designing a brand identity. I was doing color palettes. I was designing a website. I was doing all of the hands-on work to develop this, you know, kind of little startup e-commerce company. And what that process did was it reignited my fire of the love of developing a brand from the ground up. And I really realized that I did love branding and I did love design because I was building something of my own and I was seeing the effect of it and seeing it come to life. It also made me fall in love with small business, small and medium-sized business and entrepreneurship and birthing brands from the very thought kernel all up through the development of it. So that's what Verhal did for me. And after we kind of got it up and running, we both kind of looked at each other one day when we were driving in a car down the road and we were like, I don't really feel like I want to be shipping products all day long. <laughs> and then we just decided, hey, it was great. It was a lot of fun building this thing, but let's close it up. And by that time, I was thinking more about being an independent consultant and doing brand strategy and design on my own for a different sort of client base. And I had gotten super, super excited about personal branding. And as I was developing those skills and starting to do those skills of building Verhal, the website and the company, I was starting to understand more about what went into personal branding, email marketing, social media marketing, content marketing. And those things were really piquing my interest because I had been so cloistered in my senior executive role for years that I didn't know, I hadn't gotten my hands started with those things. I knew of their existence, but I didn't know the nuts and bolts. And so suddenly I was in there figuring out the nuts and bolts and I got super excited and pumped about it. And so when I went off on my own, I basically did the whole thing over again. I developed my own brand strategy, my own brand identity. I kept the name, kept the icon, and I developed my own branding consultancy on the tail end of that. That's kind of that history. I wanted to tie it up kind of all in a bow for everybody. No, I really appreciate that. Yeah, go ahead, Philip. Let's talk a little bit now about what the internal signals inside your employment could look like. Meaning if you're working in an agency, a company, and you may be getting inklings of like changes afoot or something is happening, I should have my spidey sense up about maybe, maybe I have to start thinking about what's next. What kind of signals could those be? Like what should people be watching out for, Kathy, when they're employed with an employer and thinking should I be thinking about what's next or what should I be watching for in order to really um, be paying attention in a smart way? Yeah. I mean, there's a few things. I mean, one is, is just to start to, and it's kind of like not as extreme as what you experience, Philip, where you're waking up and you're like, uh, I just can't go in. There's no way. But if you start to feel like I'm just not into this anymore 
And you're finding it hard to get excited about going into the office on a regular basis. Like that's something to think about. You're starting to get over dealing with internal corporate bureaucracy or politics. It's not uncommon to hear that from people that are a little bit further along in their careers where they're just like, you know, I just don't want to deal with this anymore. You know, you might be seeking more autonomy. You know, you might just be starting to feel like, you know, like I said, I want to own a little bit more of my own IP. So you might just start to be having these signals of wanting to be able to call the shots a little bit more. Those are some internal signals that you might be experiencing. You know, there might also be, frankly, life stage factors, uh, you know, so signals from your life that are happening. Thank goodness the workplace, because of COVID, is shifting to give us more flexibility. But for people who are parents, they likely need more flexibility in their time. Or you might be in a stage in your career where, again, it might be further along where you're kind of seeking something different. I think that there are various internal signals like those that you might want to be paying attention to. And then also there are, I'll just mention that there are also workplace signals that you have to pay attention to. You may have moved on in age where you feel like you might have hit a ceiling. There's maybe no roles that you're going to be feasibly promotable to. Maybe you feel like your salary is topped out or you've been getting the signal that the raisins aren't as large as they used to be or the bonuses aren't showing up the way they used to. You may be watching younger management or younger workers being groomed for the sort of position that you're in and feeling a little uncertain or a little you know, kind of cautious about that. And paying attention also to, are you being groomed? Are you being challenged at your workplace? Are you being given new opportunities? Are you being given new things to learn, new initiatives to work on, some way to expand your skill set beyond maybe your T-shaped skill set that you've been doing in that corporation for a long time? Are you experiencing any of those things? Because if you're not, that's one of those internal employer signals that I would pay attention to is like how much mobility, how much flexibility, how much growth trajectory do you have available to you where you are? Because a static employee is kind of a sitting duck in a way, especially the way today's businesses move. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's right. I think that, you know, really owning your own growth trajectory and growth curve, like I'm an advocate of like, you should always be learning and you need to own your own growth agenda and to lean into ensuring you continue to be marketable within your organization. I taught myself how to do Facebook ads and what have you. You know, I took a digital marketing course because I wanted to like an in-depth one because I wanted to deepen my expertise in that area and knew that I needed to. I had to. That's just where the world of marketing has gone. But I will say I'm going to be a performance marketer. It is just not where I want to deepen my expertise. I need to know enough to be able to manage it, but it's not where I'm going to spend my time. So I think to bring it back to what I'm saying here is it's kind of like there are those workplace signals of where you want to be making sure you're owning your growth trajectory, getting exposure, staying on top of trends, things of that nature. And then you also have to listen to yourself and know what's a good fit for you and what's not. The first half of this episode is recognizing it's time to go. What does that feel like? What does it look like? And the other is kind of how to go. So we're going to talk about how to go in a lot more depth in the next episode when we talk about what you need to do actually before you pull the plug, meaning planning that trip, planning that adventure in a real way, you know, pulling out the suitcase and starting to wash the clothes you're going to throw in there. So let's talk just a little bit about the how to go. One thing that I would say that you want to pay attention to or practice while you're still employed is 
not burning any bridges, for one thing. You want to make sure that your relationships are strong and cordial or warm when you decide to make that transition. But the one thing I would also say, this is one of those things that I wish I'd done this earlier in my career, is to consciously make an effort to build relationships in divisional areas or responsibility verticals within your company that are beyond where you currently are. So in my case, let's say you're in design or marketing. You would start to build relationships with people in strategy or people in finance or people in account management or people in production or the photography studio or digital media buying or whatever that looks like, that you are starting to develop deeper, meaningful relationships with people outside of your organizational division. Because the people who are in your area are going to be looking for the same jobs and the same clients that you are, but the people who are outside of your area are ones that you could conceivably partner with or get recommendations to other partners to partner with once you are out there and on your own. The other thing I would say, and this is the part where I wish I'd known this earlier in my career, is that no one stays at their job forever. Meaning if you develop good friendships with people, then people leave, they go to other places, they go to another company, another agency, and suddenly you know people at five companies rather than just the one that you're working at. Is there anything that you would suggest to people in terms of the beginnings of the how to leave part? I think the main message that I would have here is it echoes the first thing that you said, which is never burn bridges. And most importantly, actually, is don't necessarily see your choice to move on or step out as a negative thing. And the reason I say this is for a couple of reasons. First off, it is not uncommon that your employer may become your first client. Client, yeah. This happens often. You know, if you want to land softly as you take your first step out, that should almost be what you should be crafting is saying, okay, I'm going to take a step out potentially, like if you want to continue to do the same thing and it all works, but that is one way to start to make the shift, which is to say, Hey, I want to go out on my own, but I'd love to take you on as a client. And I'd like to work in this way. It's really important to manage your relationships, frankly, always throughout your career. But to really think about it in that context that, you know, this may become your first client. So make sure that if you think about leaving, that you are doing so graciously and making sure that you're also the people, especially as you leave, that if you're going out on your own, that you have that narrative and that you can already tell people, hey, here's what I'm about to go do. If you hear of anything, please, please think of me Um, because a lot of times, a lot of where your work is going to come from is through referrals. So if you leave on a bad note, guess what? (laughs) You won't be getting referrals. It comes back to that, like, are you good to work with? Do people appreciate you? you? Are you referable? And so that's the main thing that I would like really advise people to think about. Just leave on a good note. Absolutely. Very smart advice to, to wrap us up with. This was the second episode in how you make that transition. And so we're going to have three more. This one was about recognizing it's time to go and how to start to go. And next time we're going to talk about what to actually do. What are the pieces you need to put in place before you pull the plug? So I'm Philip Van Dusen, Kathy Onetto. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a great conversation. Do you have any parting thoughts, Kathy? This has just been a great conversation, Philip. I think my final parting thought would be to also just encourage people, pay attention. This is probably one of my biggest things that I often say to people is pay attention to both those internal signals and those external signals that are happening. 
And that's really what this is all about in terms of knowing when it might be time to go. So that would be my parting thought. And just as always, Philip, I love being in conversation with you. So thank you for today's discussion. Been totally fun. Okay, everyone, you got to come with us to the next episode. This is a long journey we're on. So thanks for listening. If you'd like to help support the Brand Design Masters podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you want to stay up to date on all our content, products, courses, and live video shows, head over to philipvandusen.com slash muse and sign up for the Brand Muse newsletter. That's where we share all the latest news, resources, articles, books, and videos that we recommend to help you build and improve your creative practice, personal brand, and business. That's philipvandusen.com slash muse, M-U-S-E. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.